The Vatican is the home to some of the most beautiful Catholic churches in the world, filled with priceless artefacts tied to deeply held beliefs. But its long corridors and high vaulted ceilings may house more than just history. Perhaps there are restless spirits that linger there too. Is the Vatican haunted? It's impossible to say for certain. There are whispers of Vatican ghost stories, though the city's officials prefer to keep these stories under wraps. So, even though spooky tales from the Vatican are common, the church isn't talking about it. Thankfully, due to the rise of smartphones, tourists have begun documenting their own brushes with the paranormal in Italy. Whether you believe their stories or not, these supposed spirits of the Vatican seem to be making their presence known. Join us as we explore the Vatican, its history and the ghosts that may or may not haunt this site. We want to present this episode without bias to our own beliefs. But interestingly, we found many similarities that surprised us and we hope that they surprise you too. Hi, my name is Renata Daniel. And I'm Anne Rekovich, and this is the True Hauntings Podcast. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Welcome back to the studio, Anne, for another recording session. And haven't we got a juicy topic this time? Did you just drop your H and I go, did. haven't you? A- haven't, haven't we? Haven't, haven't we? Haven't we got a juicy topic for you this time? Your accent is so much better than mine. <laughs> yeah, we have. I Look, I'm going to admit... I was a little scared when you mentioned doing the Vatican. Look, this actually just popped into my head oh, as, you if someone, it. as if someone said, do the Vatican. So I, I just had to say, let's do the Vatican. And I, I sort of said to you earlier, I said, I have to stop. I have to stop. I'm up to, what was it, 20-something pages of notes. Yeah. And um, I said, this isn't a rabbit hole. This is a mind face. <laughs> I know. And I know. I've, I've actually had to leave out chunks of stuff. I, but I found the most interesting information. We'll get on to that Yes, later. Don't, don't peek too soon, no. Renata. No, no. I found some really interesting information that shocked me. Oh, well, that's saying something. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, me and Catholicism go back a long way. Oh, yeah, me too. Which is why <laughs> we're going to try and not be biased, but it's freaking hard when you were brought up through the, the whole... Catholic yeah. system. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's interesting doing all of this research uh, because, and look, I'm, I'm going to use the term research loosely here because people get offended by using the term research because what they say that often we do, we as not just you and I, but normal people who do podcasts, don't we- dig deep enough and don't look for the 
They think we're regurgitating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that we're just Googling and we don't do anything else. And but we always do note where we've received our information yes. from. Yes. We are providing entertainment mm-hmm. and stories, mm-hmm. our perspective, our thoughts as paranormal investigators, and a little bit of shenanigans. Mm. So the feedback that we're getting from people online seems as though they're really enjoying it. I love listening to what people send us back yeah. or reading what people send us back and going, I had to pull over because I was laughing so much I couldn't drive or I scared the cats. (laughs) There was a lady that was on Instagram today who'd been exercising, work out at the gym while she was listening to us and apparently she was laughing really hard (laughs) while she was exercising. So maybe it takes your your mind off the pain of exercise or something. Let us know where you listen to us. That would be great. Yeah, that would be awesome. We would love your feedback online. Um, And, yeah, we're just busy. We're busy doing uh, all the research and gathering stories for the all, googling. Of the, all of the shows. And looking in books. I mean, we've, we've, I've got a huge library we're, of books and I sift through them. books, eh? Oh, my God. I'll watch Huey Tube. I'll watch documentaries. I'll watch all sorts of things to prepare for this. Anyway, let's get on to the Vatican. They dare not speak her name. Few historical figures have rattled the chains of the church like the legendary Pope Joan, the female pontiff, whose spirit still haunts the papacy to this day. The Catholic Church has been known for keeping secrets that left the public wondering of the mysteries hidden in their vaults. One tale that has been haunting the Vatican is the missing records of the only woman pope that ruled the Catholic Church for over two years. This mysterious lady, Johannes, is strenuously denied by the church, although there is evidence that she may have been real, and the church is just trying to cover up their mess. One story tells that in an early age, she disguised herself as a boy to learn Greek and Latin in the monastery, Later, when she was older, her lover, an English Benedictine monk, went to Athens. She accompanied him wearing man's clothes. In Athens, Johannes progressed her education and her impressive intelligence was described second to none. Another source claims that Joan, or Johannes, was actually an English lady who decided to don male clothes in the name of John of Mainz before heading to Athens, where she astonished scholars with her unprecedented academic ability. Either way, Joan made her way to Rome, bearing the name of John Angelicus, which translates to English John. There she learned science and her distinguished knowledge earned the nobleman's respect. She became a secretary to the Curia, then promoted as a cardinal and won the papacy by unanimous decision. When Joan was crowned as the new Pope, she used the papal name Pope John VIII. However, she became pregnant by one of her attendants and ended up unveiling her femininity by unexpectedly giving birth on a papal procession throughout the city. She died almost immediately, although whether during childbirth or from subsequent stoning is unclear. The source of the legend is not quite known, 
Some say it was a cynical slur on the effeminate weakness of Pope John VIII in dealing with the invaders of the 9th century. Another source of the legend is a monument to an unidentified woman discovered in a side street near the Colosseum. Either way, well-wishers maintain a tribute there to this very day, and while papal processions do avoid the spot, many just say it's because that's too narrow there. There is one more rumour. Apparently, since that time, elected popes were made to sit naked on a marble seat with a hole in the bottom, under which a committee of cardinals would peer in turn and confirm testisculus habet et bene pendentes. He has testicles and they dangle nicely. <laughs> Although, this is a story, and it could be complete bollocks. So, Anne, where, where, where? First off, I want to know, did you enjoy my story? <laughs> and how many takes did it take oh, for us to get through that? I had to actually walk out of the room I had to, to put finish. Her, I had to put her out of the room because I couldn't have her sit opposite me while I did that. <laughs> Where did you find that joyous piece of information, Anne? Oh, I've actually I've noted it somewhere. Um, I I did a uh, in the in the annals or, or the annals. annals. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it's adapted from the Secrets of the Vatican by Cyrus Sharad. And also from an article on medium.com. Awesome. So I, I hobbled them together and, and correct because it was really hard to find anything that was a really good ghost story. But mm-hmm. I read that and I just, I lost my poop when I read that. So yes. I thought I had to share it. Yes. Well, well done. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> that would have to be a new record on getting the wheeze out of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tell you, I'm still trying to recover from that. <laughs> so um, for, for my part, um, I looked through the history of the Vatican and um, as some history is, it's very dry mm-hmm. and it, boring. Dry as a nun's <laughs> habit. <laughs> after, by, after being hung out to dry, okay, just okay. in the wind. Okay. Dry, that way. Sure. <clears throat> so I, I am going to tell you a little bit about the history of the Vatican, um, but I'm going to go on to a couple of other sort of side things that I found which were quite interesting when it comes to the Vatican's position or to the Catholic's position um, on ghosts. I think it's in goats then. Ghosts. Ghosts. Okay. So the area off the west bank of the Tiber River that comprises the Vatican was once a marshy region known as Ager Vaticanus. So during the early years of the Roman Empire, it became an administrative region and more than anything else, it was surrounded by the most expensive villas in the area. And there was also a circus built in the gardens of Emperor Caligula's mother. Now, you've got to know more stuff about Emperor Caligula. Mm. He, he was quite a 
interesting character. Yeah, I remember that TV series. I think it was the BBC that did that. It was just Derek Jacoby, was that his name, Jacobs? Oh, wow. You've got an impressive memory. I've had two coffees. (laughs) I've got no idea. I've I've accessed my mind palace. (laughs) Oh, those doors are flying open. Uh, So after much of Rome was levied in a fire in AD 64, Emperor Nero executed St Peter and other Christian scapegoats at the base of Vatican Hill where they were buried in an Acropolis. And actually the Vatican or the Basilica now actually stands on top of that. And funny about that, I've got a story about that. Oh, well, I won't go anymore into that because they kind of think that there's a possibility that it might be not only haunted but Cursed. <laughs> yes. So having embraced Christianity with the Edict of Milan in, thir- in 313, Emperor Constantine I began constructing the Basilica over St Peter's tomb in 324 and St Pili- Peter's Basilica became a spiritual centre for Christian pilgrims. So following an attack by Saracen pirates, which is what you mentioned in the soundscape with Pope Joan. Yeah, I couldn't um, say the word though. I just couldn't get it stick in my head, so I just yeah, went so invaders. <laughs> that, that actually damaged St Peter's in 1846 and Pope Leo VI ordered the construction of a wall to protect the Holy Basilica and its associated precincts. So completed in 1852... They built a 39-foot wall that enclosed the current Vatican Territory and the Borgo district. The walls were continually expanded and modified until the reign of Pope Urban VIII in 1640. The buildings were abandoned for a short period of time when the papal court was moved to Avignon, France in 1309 and it actually fell into disrepair. And I'm not quite sure, I didn't get that far to work out why they actually decided to move, whether it was a strategic thing because of the invasions that kept on coming. Uh, They had to work out a place where to hide all of their treasures because they were already collecting treasures Mm -hmm. by that point in time. Most probably it was. But then the Italians threw their hands up in the air and went, no, this this (laughs) this is ours. We have to bring it back to Italy. We don't want those French bastards. (laughs) <laughs> um, being in control, uh, and it could have been something to do with the. I think the we've hi- been watching too much Monty Python. To <laughs> say the truth. With the hierarchy between um, the French aristocracy and and the king and everything, yeah, so on, convoluted and very, yeah, very much something that um, anyone who is a history buff can send us more information on. Please do. But the Catholic Church returned in 1377, and then. Th- They went gung-ho, really, with construction. And from about 1450 for the next 70, 80 years, lots of the greatest artists and architects and everyone were brought in as if to go, um, it's time that we do a huge reconstruction on the site. And it was literally like that show that we have on TV now, what's it called, Um, the when they go in and they do the whole house. Oh, like a makeover. Yeah. The the block or something like that. It was the block. (laughs) Oh, my God. The block 1400s. (laughs) (laughs) 
and complete and total. They had a makeover. Yeah, but no holds barred. No holds barred with this. They're going to throw as much money and as much ostentatious stuff into this as possible. They made it pretty. This is going to be like crazy ass, which it was. So this is um, when Michelangelo came in to paint the Sistine Chapel. Who's he? I am joking. I just got the he's, look. He's one of the the, the um, ninja turtles. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> he's been around for a really long time. He lives in the sewer. <laughs> Where's a bandana with eyes cut into it? Um, Good comeback, Renato. I'll pay that one. Thank you. Thank you. About time you got one. Um, and it was at that stage that uh, the the Pope at the time also decided to tear down the St Peter's Basilica that had been standing there for 1,200 years and build a new one because, you know, that's what you do when you get plenty of oh, no. poor people's money. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm tired of looking at that, <laughs> that stuff. That's right. But those people can starve over there. I'm going to have something new and made of marble with some yeah. gold kilt. Yes, absolutely. There's no guilt. So the Vatican Museum's original Originated from the sculpture collection of Julius II, its earliest gallery opened to the public by Pope Clement XIV in 1773 and expanded by Pope Pius VI. Subsequent popes added to the collection over the years with the Gregorian Egyptian Museum, the Ethnological Museum and the collection of modern and contemporary religious art among the additions. My goodness, how much. Must all that be worth ten dollars ninety five on on um, oh. on eBay yeah, on well, Gumtree? What Gum what what's the one in America that they have? There's um uh, oh I can't remember it. It's it's like Gumtree, but I'll I'll remember it and and blurt it out at some stage. <laughs> So popes traditionally held power over regional territories known as the Papal States until 1870 and then the unified Italian government claimed virtually all of the land outside of the city walls. The standoff between the church and the government ensued for the next 60 years until an agreement was reached uh, and signed off on by Benito Mussolini. And then, of course, we have the World Wars that happen and um, I wonder where they hid all the stuff yeah, during the World there's Wars. dashes of stuff everywhere and how much of the stuff that was around Europe that ended up in the Vatican hidden. Mm. They're, they're keeping it for safekeeping. Of course. We're, yeah. we're not allowed bias to creep in here, Renata. No, no. Just to put, rain that back <clears> in. I can feel it from here. So the Vatican remains the home of the Pope and the Roman Curia and the spiritual centre for over 1.2 billion followers of the Catholic Church. It's the smallest independent nation state as it covers only 109 acres within a two-mile border and possesses another 168 acres of holding in remote locations. So along with the centuries-old buildings and gardens, the Vatican maintains its own banking and telephone system, post office, pharmacy, newspaper and radio and television stations. Its 600 citizens include the members of the Swiss Guard, a security detail charged with protecting the Pope since 1506. Now, Apparently no one was born in Vatican State. Oh, they've got to be taken out, do they? Well, that's that's what my information says. Oh. Hmm. So there. I suppose there's a lot of blokes in there. There wouldn't be very very many females. Most of the guard would be surely males, and let's face it, all the priests are males. They'd, they'd have some nuns around, but 
Would they live inside the Vatican City? Something to, to look up, yeah, maybe? They they probably do. They probably do. Um, You've got so no idea of, how no, much. No, no. I'm biting my tongue so much, but just keep going. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of trawled the web pages and looked for interesting facts about the Vatican. And um, some I have already mentioned. Vatican City is the smallest independent nation on earth. Uh, you can't get a Vatican passport stamp. Uh, St. Peter's Basilica is the largest church in the world. The Vatican has its own pl- uh, post office and radio network. The Vatican City mints its own euro coins. The St. Peter's Basilica has been around for more than 300 years longer than the Vatican City. Uh, The famous Sistine Chapel chimney is temporary. Oh, that's where the smoke comes out when the the Pope is announced or dies? They they install that when there is a conclave, Uh the meeting of the bishops, and uh, then they remove it. Uh, Popes use their own name to begin with. So Pope Clive <laughs> was a possibility. <laughs> um, but uh, over the years, there have been 21 John Popes, uh, 16 Gregory Popes, 15 Benedict Popes, 14 Clement Popes, 13 Innocent Popes. <laughs> Let's not go bite there. The tongue, bite the tongue. <laughs> 13 Leo Popes. Um, the Vatican City is the only entire country on UNESCO's list of World Heritage Sites. Do you know what I'd love? I would love to someone. To go there? Yes, I would. <laughs> I've been there. Um, have you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I would love... Uh, a monsignor or bishop or whoever they are from Mexico to become the Pope. Mm -hmm. And you know how they use their first name? Mm -hmm. I want his first name to be Jesus (laughs) because then we'd have Pope Jesus. Oh, very interesting. Of course, that's spelled Jesus. Yes. So Pope Jesus I thought would be fabulous. It would be. Now, the museums get over 25,000 visitors every day when we're not in COVID. And there are more than 120,000 pieces of art in the Vatican Museum's collections. Wow. Uh, The Pope is the ceremonial chief of the Vatican military. Mm Mm-hmm. So he would bless cannons and things. Well, there you go. Yes. That was, what was that story from? That was on Spooky Sundays. Yeah. Yes. And um, Michelangelo did not design the Swiss Guard uniforms for anyone that's interested. Uh, Vatican City has citizens, but no one is born there. Yep. So it says uh, citizenship in Vatican City isn't based on being born there. Indeed, there isn't a hospital in Vatican City, so no one is born there. Instead, Vatican citizenship is based on jus officie, meaning someone has been appointed to work for the Holy See. Oh, and look, I thought this was a really interesting one. 78 former popes are now saints. Wow, that's a big number, isn't it? Mm, yeah. There you go. That's great trivia there, Renata. Uh, uh, hold on, not finished yet. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, Jesus. Jesus. The youngest pope may have been 11 at his election. There's some disagreement 
uh, among church historians about which pope was actually the youngest when he assumed the post and exactly how young he was. One story says Pope Benedict the Ninth was 18 when he became pope in 1032, but some believe he was actually more like 11 or 12 at the time. I wonder if he had to sit upon that throne and go, oh, look, <laughs> testicles. Oh, no, there's not quite down yet. Uh, others think that he was actually closer to 20. Yeah, and once again, I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> and Vatican City has the highest crime rate on earth. Oh, the pickpockets. Because of the Vatican's low official population, the crime rate is listed as as at roughly 1.5 crimes per person. Wow. Yep, and pickpockets have a dream time. Yeah, yeah. I do remember we were warned and we had to sort of keep it sort of inside clothing and um, don't don't ever show how much money you had on you. But just the prices of things around that area was uh, criminal as far as I'm concerned. So it has the world's shortest railway. It drinks more wine than anywhere else in the world. Really? The Vatican approved of the Bond movie Skyfall. What? But didn't like the Beatles. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and look, I went searching for information about what the Vatican thinks about ghosts. And oh, I've, did you? I found some very oh, interesting information. And this, this is, and some of this stuff comes from like Catholic news bulletins. See, we do do from our research. The conference of Catholic bishops. So it's not like someone sat, you know, next to their computer and wrote this up and thought, "This is my thoughts." Like the um, drunk monks that did the yeah, um, Maleficus yeah. Mal- Malefic- Mal- Malicarum, Malicarum. What is it? <laughs> Malleus Maleficarum. That's the one. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really interesting. So I, I want to kind of capture this for a moment for okay. everyone to understand. Yeah, this comes from uh, and the US Conference of Catholic Bishops and a question was asked and this was the response. I'm riveted. I am aware of no scriptural scholar who would say that this statement of Jesus confirms that there are, in fact, ghosts. On the other hand, Jesus did not debunk the notion when given the chance, which is pretty much where the Catholic Church stands on the matter of ghosts. There is no settled doctrinal teaching with respect to their existence, no provision in consular teaching or canon law that addresses it. What the church does affirm is that God has from time to time permitted departed souls to commune with people on earth for their betterment. But the exact nature of that communication, whether by an intellectual sharing or a physical manifestation, has not been defined theologically. Clearly, there is no intrinsic contradiction between the existence of ghosts and Catholic theology. And Thomas Aquinas did assert in the supplement of his Summa Theologiae that according to the disposition of divine providence, separated souls sometimes come forth from their abode and appear to men. What the oh, Catholic- sorry, to men? To men. Of and, course. And women, yep. What the Catholic Church does reject is any attempt proactively to summon the dead. Oh, so they don't like necromancy. So all forms of divination are to be rejected. Recourse to Satan or demons conjuring up the dead or any other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. If you really want to go into things... Oops. Just break everything without a chance. If you really want to go into things and have a bit of a discussion with people, 
um, there is no teaching in the Catholic Church that kind of says that ghosts don't exist. Well, if you think about it, there's the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So they, they do refer to spirit. And if, if I can just read on, because this is important, I think, for us to get a, a good perspective. Well, just on, remember, on I've got 20 pages. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, the next type of spirits the church believes in are angels. Angels are purely spiritual beings. They do not have physical bodies, although they can manifest themselves in physical bodies. This is why we hear of angels appearing to people, such as the Archangel Raphael, as a travelling companion to the young Tobiah in the book of Tobit. Uh, there have been appearances of on earth of saints who exist constantly in the presence of God, but they have also died and their appearances, which happen by the will and purpose of God, are apparitions of their souls, of their spiritual selves and not their actual physical bodies. Therefore, by the German-derived definition above of ghosts, they are ghosts, though it is uncommon to speak of apparitions of saints in that way. And when we look at the German word ghost or geist, it means spirit. Right. Now, there are bad ghosts and the church does not deny their existence. Well, so, if you believe in angels, you've got to have mm-hmm. the other half because you've got to have your yin and your yang. So uh, the church does not deny their existence. Thomas Aquinas, in speaking of attacks by evil spirits, said the assault itself is due to the malice of the demons who, through envy, endeavour to hinder man's progress and through pride usurp a semblance of divine power by deputing certain ministers to assail man as the angels of God in their various offices minister to man's salvation. So demons try to imitate God's angels, but not for any good purpose. Now, one step further down the rabbit hole. Oh, one step. Me. I know, I know. But it's, it's, and we could go on with this for a really long, long time. Yeah, but I want to have a turn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm excited. Um, But did you know that the Catholic Church and the Vatican have long been um, people who actually really take fondly to the work of EVP? No. An electric, electronic voice phenomenon. And I remember you sent me a link to something and at that stage I've just gone, I can't do any more. I can't fit anything more into this because we just don't have the time. Yep. So uh, this is a yeah, – and I'm going to try and just find um, some pieces rather than – all of it. Um, But according to Catholic Church, ghosts don't exist. When we die, we go to heaven, hell or purgatory. And there is no allowance for the spirits or of the dead to exist with us here. The reality is not exactly on par with this statement. Certainly the church believes in the survival theory. When our body dies, our soul lives on. It is the foundation of everything we believe, that this physical life is not our real life. The church obviously exists because of the world of the spirit and for the care of souls. But just what and where heaven, hell and purgatory are have been far from clear cut matters in the Catholic catechism. As far as disbelief in ghosts, Christ himself mentions ghosts in the New Testament as they are mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. 
And far from classifying EVP research as dangerous or forbidden, the church has been supportive to the point of encouraging such research and has worked closely with some of the phenomenon's earliest researchers. Two of the earliest investigators into the phenomenon were Italian Catholic priests, Father Ernetti and Father Gamelli. We talked about this in one of our other podcasts. Oh, yeah, I remember. And (laughs) they came upon the phenomena while they were recording Gregorian chants in 1952. that's right. I remember that, yeah. Uh, And, of course, we know that there were others. When listening to some of this is this is hilarious. When listening to some of the recordings, Gamelli heard Gamelli heard what he identified as his, as his father's voice speaking on the audio recording, calling Zucchini. It is clear, <laughs> don't you know? It is I. Zucchini was Gamelli's boyfriend, boyhood boy, boyhood nickname. Oh God, I thought you were going to say it was his boyfriend. I thought, <laughs> geez, we're being Whoops. right out there in the nineteen fifties. <laughs> yeah, so um, they actually approached Pope Pius the Twelfth with the recording, and Pope Pius was nonplussed, soothing the priests with these words: "Dear Father Gamelli, you really need not worry about this. The existence of this voice is strictly a scientific fact and has nothing to do with spiritism. The recorder is totally objective. It receives and records only sound waves from wherever they come." And just just one more thing, because this is where I really I I went down the rabbit hole. But it was even perhaps not surprising that Pope Pius's cousin. The Reverend Dr. Gebhard Frey was the co-founder of the Jung Institute <gasps> and had made a name for himself as a parapsychologist. Oh, wow. Moreover, he had been a close colleague of Konstantin Rodiev. <gasps> oh, who most ghost hunters recognise as one of the pioneers of EVP research. And as president of the International Society of Catholic Parapsychologists, Fry stated, all that I have read and heard forces me to believe that the voices come from transcendental individual entities. Whether it suits me or not, I have no right to doubt the reality of the voices. Wow. That's fantastic. Isn't that awesome? No wonder you were keen to do this story. Bloody hell. Even though, and, and you've got to dig for this information. This yeah. information doesn't sort of jump out at We don't. We dig. No, but with, <laughs> yeah, but with, with people who are Catholics, their, their main way of kind of saying this is it's all wrong. Yeah. The, the problem is that it's not all wrong. And if you dig deeper, you will find out that there are portions of the Catholic Church that want to know more because it actually is it it is information that suggests that Life their teachings yeah. are real yeah. and true. So why wouldn't you want to So what's in the vaults of the Vatican? What evidence do they have there they haven't told us yet? I don't know. But I'm going to leave the rest oh, up to please you. Please do because yeah. I've got so much to to tell you all. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you. So you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, 
I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get better help. Visit betterhelp.com p60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash p60 it's time to take control of your life dave's here rooting you on and if i can do this you can do this let's do this together betterhelp.com slash p60 there's a link for it on today's program guide now during my research for my part i found this gorgeous little description of uh, uh, Legends of Ghosts of Rome, and it's a tour that they do. They say they're going to take you to the catacombs of Rome and the Basilica of San Clemente, a glorious edifice built on the top of the remains of three ancient churches that date back to the first century. And then there's also the Capuchin Catacombs. Mm. And I'm butchering those names, and I apologise profusely. But that that was the ghost tour that they offer in Rome, I haven't even touched any of those stories, but I thought I'd just mention them to let you know there's those ones as well. Um, So what I concentrated on was the Vatican itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you mentioned that you'd been. When was this? I have been to the Vatican. Um, Well, my son is 28 and we went when he was four. Wow. So it was a long time ago and it was before I was this crazily into the paranormal. Um. And we got to walk through all those halls and get to see the Michelangelo's works and um, it it was insane. And when you walk into the the is it the basilica with the paintings on the roof and the the, you know, the dude doing the finger to the god and mm-hmm. not not the rude finger but <laughs> the pointer finger. Yeah, I'm so good with words. I did art as a major when I did my HSC. But god, was, live, god giving life to Adam. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, you weren't allowed to talk in there. Oh. And everyone just had to file in and you could stand there and you could look and keep your neck just looking. And it's a lot smaller than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you were able to walk out, but you weren't allowed to take pictures or anything in there. You were just allowed to go in there quietly and look and admire. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a great time traveling mm-hmm. through Europe with my dad mm-hmm. and uh, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. But Hannah, my daughter, who was um, almost two at the time, did her first poo on the toilet in Italy. We were very excited <laughs> by that. Got very fond memories. Anyway, look, I found this this great article that gave me the basis for uh, some of the ghost stories at the Vatican. Um, History.com uh, was one of them. And we've got cruxnow.com, which is uh, C-R-U-X-N-O-W, cruxnow.com, uh, but it, it gave me a list 
and I I chose to focus on a couple of them and uh, just mention some of the others. Mm-hmm. So let's look at this one first. And this this was one of the ones that I had to be very careful. Now a lot of you have heard of Father Gabriel Am- Amorth. Amorth, mm-hmm. Am- Amorth. Mm-hmm. He is very well known as the expert uh, exorcist at the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Now I have said for years that if Satan is alive and well, then he is at the Vatican. <laughs> I have said that because mm-hmm. then look, I'm I'm just reporting what's been in the news. There's been a lot of cover-ups of things that really should not have been covered up, mm-hmm. and a lot of people. Uh, living to excess when the poor people that are supposed to be looking after are suffering. Mm-hmm. So let me just, I'm just going to be very careful. Uh, so as I said, he was a, the exorcist and he stated in his expert opinion that he believed that demons are in the world even in the most holiest of places. Mm -hmm. The devil resides in the Vatican and you can see the consequences, he said. So he said that Satan can shape, shift, speak in many languages or even appear to be sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's from a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and just at this point, another little fact that I found on one of wanderings of my YouTube watchings to try and get information, there was this great one that I watched. I can't remember what it is now. But they said that the Vatican in the vaults, because they've got so many hidden things down there, has the biggest collection in the world of porn. <laughs> you weren't expecting that word, were no, you? No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. I know. I know, right? I wasn't. But, but uh, why? earlier popes would quite often have pictures and murals of sexual scenes and intercourse tiled in mosaics <laughs> in their rooms. So they've, I don't know whether they're collecting this porn to save our souls or they're in all <laughs> what it is, but according to this this wow. thing I watched, they've got the largest collection of porn in the world. So I'll just leave that there. Right, now, there is one that's actually you can look up on YouTube and I'm sure Christy will pop this up for us. Thanks, Christy. Uh, there is a bell tower, the St. Peter's... Um, when you're waiting to enter St. Peter's Basilica, there is this bell tower and you can see it. And I've actually popped it up on the computer so that Renata can actually see this. I'll just pop it up, Renata, so you can see it up there. So it's um, you can sort of see the clock and there is this very tall, dark shadow. Yes. And it looks like Slender Man. It does. It's completely dark yeah. or, or devoid of light. Yeah, and look, that was... And this person just happened to snap a picture and they didn't know. Um, It's actually video footage, so you can watch the whole video. Um, Some viewers think it's the restless spirit of someone who committed suicide as the figure appears poised and ready to to jump. jump. Yes, it does look like that. And they've put a red ring around it for us just in case we can't see it. Yep. Yeah, so... Nobody's got any explanation for that. Uh, the dailystar.co.uk says it's Slender Man in the Bell Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, but it does. It looks like Slender Man. It does. Now, this is a big one. The Basilica stands on haunted or cursed grounds. Mm-hmm. Boy, this is another one that I had to um, sort of pull up 
and and stop at some stage or other. So the thought is that the St. Peter's Basilica has been built on cursed soil. It was erected on top of a pagan necropolis or burial ground. And the old spirits and gods didn't take kindly to that. Do we blame them? Uh, And that it's been filled with strange activity since the 16th century when it was constructed with workers dropping dead and the Pope himself becoming ill. Mm -hmm. So with that, I thought, oh, I have to find out more about that. So I did a little bit of digging on this one. Mm -hmm. St. Peter is supposed to be buried there. um, And... They say that no one has dared to dig and investigate in there because they are worried that uh, disturbing the apostle's body body, uh, will, you know, kill you or make you ill or Mm -hmm. get cursed. So the curse strikes. In June 29 of 1629, Gian Lorenzo Bernini, architect and sculptor to the popes, was looking down over the location in St. Peter's at the spot where he would place his majestic bronze baldachin, I don't know what that is, probably a statue, supported by four helical columns resembling gold-pleated vines stretching towards Basilica's cupola. That year, Pope Urban VIII uh, had launched the project of creating a new St. Peter's Basilica, which is what you mentioned, Mm -hmm. that would substitute the old and dated one with newer Baroque-inspired art. Now, uh, Benini measured and calculated the positioning of the pillars, told his men to knock down the walls and the floor underneath to make a space for his big structure. Now, as they were doing that, about 70 feet underground, the workers stumbled across a large number of sepulchres and tombs. Now, apparently that wasn't anything new in Rome where uh, you'd only need to scratch the surface and you'd find artefacts and and bones and relics and things. So they kept on digging. Now, the vicar of the basilica, um, Bishop Angelo Gerio, and the high sacristan, Monsignor Mario Bovia, Bovio, hurried onto the site in order to establish the nature of the origin of the burials because they didn't want it to be like a saint or something that was being disturbed. On July 10th, the architect that was overseeing the excavation and he was eager to resume construction, opened up one of the sarcophagi (gasps) and looked at the bodies within, establishing that the tombs were probably not saints and probably not even clergy. So I don't know where he would get the information to be able to Probably the way they they were dressed. I'd say the way they were dressed or whatever was inside. Well, you're going to love this. He ordered that they be destroyed and the work continue. No. So even if they weren't saints or bishops or whatever, um, but apparently that sealed his fate. Aha. The next day he grew violently ill and a couple of days later his condition worsened and he died. You know what could have happened, though? Could have got the plague. They could have, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, now there's an anonymous document from this period entitled Report of what occurred while digging the foundation of the four bronze columns erected by Urban VIII at the altar of St. Saint P- Peter's Basilica. How's that for a nice mm-hmm. title? That reminds me of nice that one we had, the, yes. we had the other week. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, of course, created anxiety. And the Italians are very superstitious. So anything that goes down, they're going, oh, no, I'm not going to touch that. Um, hey, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> so apparently uh, there was also Fra- Father Francesco, who also grew terribly sick, followed by his scribe known as Bartolomeo, uh, who all died of uh extraordinarily short illness. Uh, matters were made worse when the servants of said Francesco, Father Francesco, were found guilty of murder, and that was it. The, the, the Romans were all upset now, and they, they were in a dither because there was some sort of curse that had been unleashed. Uh, this, these incidents caused great alteration in the souls of many our historical sources tell us, seeming that these new examples confirmed the old ones. Mm-hmm. Panic spread when the news of the Pope himself began to get ill. So then they're thinking, that's it. It's, it's We're hit. done. We're done for. We're the done. Pope's dying. Um, no one felt safe anymore, whether they were cleric or layman and even priests who had lauded Urban VIII's efforts to renew the Basilica now muttered words of sacrilege. And wanting it all be called to a halt. Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe the God was displeased that they were spending so much money on something so wasteful. Yep, that could, could yes, be. Could, could be. be. Now, I get confused with all the characters in here. So now we have somebody called Giorgio who remembered an old document written by none other than Pope Gregory I, known as the Great, mm-hmm. in medieval times where they had warned against bothering the resting place of the saints and Giorgio distributed it to the scholars and historians to interpret its meaning in light of the spate of unexplained deaths. No one spoke of anything other than the letter of St. Gregory after that because they're all, that's it, mm-hmm. that we're worked out what it is. So this is how this curse of St. Peter finds its origins. But there is actually another source for the curse. Okay. So apparently around 600 AD, the Empress of Byzantium wrote to Pope Gregory I to ask that he send her the relics of St. Peter and Paul so that they may be revered by the Oriental Church. Oh. The Pope, of course, has no intentions of giving away such important symbols and answered with a rather lengthy letter explaining how the tombs were protected by an ancient curse uh-huh. which allowed no one to approach them or attempt to move their contents. So he actually used that as an excuse. It mm-hmm. wasn't a real thing at the time. He just went, oh, no, 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 we can't send you that because it's cursed. cursed. Mm-hmm. So that's where these people have found this letter to the reference of the curse and now I've taken it as, yes, yeah, see, the Pope said it was cursed right back then. So obviously it's cursed. Gregory explained that unlike the Greek customs, Romans did not touch the relics of saints. Rather, they opted for shrouds that were placed near the bodies and by virtue of proximity acquired the miraculous powers of the relic. And that tradition still exists today uh, where they will take fragments of clothing from, um, like, for example, St. Pope John Paul II, they took some of his clothing and cut it up into tiny little pieces and then made it into an amulet, uh-huh. um, which would give you miraculous cures. And I actually remember my mother had a small fragment of cloth in one of these little plastic things with yeah. crochet around the yep. outside. Yep. And she she sadly had cancer of the bowel mm-hmm. um, and she kept that by her. And she did die. And mm-hmm. I know we shouldn't laugh at that, but it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting because I sort of. I had one. You had one. I had one and it was a piece of clothing from Mother Mary MacKillop. Oh. And 
It's gone. It's lost. Yeah, I, that means I have no idea. You don't need it anymore. It's gone to someone who needs it now. I think the one that my mum had, it was buried with her. I'm not sure. And that's okay. She obviously needed it more than me. So back going back to the 16th century story, the um, the workers refused to work on the site um, and Urban VIII did get better. His health was restored and he had to personally visit the site to incite them to get back to work mm-hmm. uh, uh, for uh, no other reason other than the tombs were now all open and he didn't want them being defiled. So he performed an exorcism to make it safe for the Italians to go back to work. Now, the the curse of St. Peter did crop up again, uh, and this was in uh, 1939 uh, when Pope Pius the 12th ordered the pavement at the Vatican grottos be lowered during those excavations, which lasted for the better part of 10 years. Uh, Margarita Gadalci and a team of archaeologists finally identified the likely tomb of the Apostle Peter. Wow. Yeah. So so he was buried under the uh, well, basilica. Allegedly, allegedly. So once they sort of identified that, the old superstitions came back up and at this time you then had Hitler and Mussolini sign the Pack of Steel, uh, which then led into the World War II uh, and there was also the nuclear fission experiment, which is inching towards the creation of the most lethal weapon ever designed and that all was blamed on the curse of St. Peter and the lowering of that footpath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Wow. Anyway, I need to get on to some of the others because we're going to be really over time. Number four, there is a mysterious light appears around Pope John Paul II's tomb. Odd stories began circulating when Pope Benedict XVI stepped down in 2013, immediately followed by Benedict's resignation announcement. Uh, the Vatican was struck by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, not long after that, there was a man that was viewing the Vatican's webcam. Apparently they've got webcam. And it was on the tomb of uh, Pope John Paul II. And he said that there was a bright light overwhelming the entire room where the tomb is located. The light then formed a human figure that stood before the tomb. It moved a bit then vanished. So the the people who saw that thought that it was the spirit of Pope John Paul II. Of course they would. Yes, no, obviously. Now there is another one. There is a an eerie figure that floats above the worshippers inside St. Peter's Basilica. Now, this was snapped by Andy and Susan Kay when they visited there in 2007. Uh, and they they said the couple were admiring the sunbeam sun shining down through a window in the dome. And they snapped a picture and uh, they viewed the photos later and they spotted what looks like an angel hovering above Peter's people's heads. It now, does. It does. I have seen this one. Yeah. It is online. You can you can find it. We'll get Christy to put that one up too. And it it does look like a human figure with wings. It does. Uh, and then once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, they said it almost looks like a hologram, and I thought it was really spooky. 
Now, there is another one there that says the ghost figure that was seen flying over the Pope, and that was in the news18.com, um, and that just tells you a little bit more about that story, so you can look that up. Now, there's also the ghost of Donna Olympia Pamphili. How's that for a name? Now, I love this story. And what's she got to do with anything? Tell us. Tell us more. <sighs> All right, this is another one I had to dig into a little bit because it was just... It was too good a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was an a, a Italian noblewoman. Um, we'll call her Donna because I'm good with that name. <laughs> and she was from a noble family and she was obsessed at becoming better in life and raising her station. Now, she was very young when she got married um, and they said that she wasn't the prettiest looking person, which I think is very rude of them, but uh, that she she just wanted to become higher, higher mm-hmm. rank. So her first husband died. I'm not asking any questions about that. Her second husband was the brother to the then sitting Pope Innocent X, and she wormed her way into the Pope's good graces, becoming his closest confidant. Uh, so apparently they became so close that anything you wanted from the pontiff, you had to go through Donna. Oh, holy Donna. That is very close. Uh, so a lot of people, of course, didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And as uh, I think her second husband died and the Pope became ill and she's realised that once the Pope's dead, she's out of there. Nobody's going to... They'll, they'll probably kill her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what she did as he was dying, she locked herself into the room with him so people couldn't come near him. She started to load up her carriage with two caskets of gold. <laughs> You go, girl. And uh, she had a... um, a Seeking a way out, she secretly filled chests with Vatican gold, placed them in her black carriage and drove away. She didn't have long to enjoy her ill-gotten gains, though, because two years later she died of the plague. Oh, no. So they didn't catch her. She got away with it, but she fled across the Sisto Bridge in her carriage. And apparently on the 7th of January every year she appears fleeing in her carriage. Of course, we've got no videos of this and on pictures, but obviously it happens the same time every year. Mm-hmm. You think somebody would have got something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I thought they, that was a really cool story. Yeah. I, it seems to me a little bit of let's remember this bitch <laughs> and, that, and the fact that she stole from the Pope. And so we're just going to mark that in history yep, and yep. remind ourselves every year what happens when you flee with Vatican gold. Now, this is another one um, that... Uh, they listed as the ghosts in the Vatican City, and I'm going to give this as much time as it deserves. Apparently, there's orbs at the Vatican. Oh, right, next. They <laughs> uh, say that it's souls passing through the sacred spice. Oh, let it be so. <laughs> let it be that so. That makes someone happy. That's fine. Yes. Now, the last one I'm going to uh, mention is the strange ghost that is floating across people inside St. Basilica's, in St. Peter's Basilica, and you can see the red and the gold of the the coat, and mm-hmm. you can see that it's it's moving back and forth across the, and this 19-year-old boy, he was a tourist, and he caught it, and he got onto Ranker.com and showed them, and it went on the news, and um, once again, I'm just going to pop this up so Renata can see it. 
Yep. So once again, we'll we'll get this video popped up on there. Uh, but it is you'll you'll see the the basilica, and uh, there's people all in there and milling around. And this young boy has captured this video, and you can you can actually see it moving. I'm just waiting for the video to catch up so Renata can actually see. There it is, Renata. Can you see that there? Mm-hmm. It, it's red and it's sort of above the pews. Um, and it actually moves back and forth and then disappears. Do you know what that is? She's not sure. Oh, there it goes. See it moving? See it moving, Renata? Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, not really. I don't see it moving. Yeah, okay. It moves a bit, uh, but it's actually been debunked. Now, what happens in these sorts of situations when you've got a very crowded tourist hotspots the uh tour guides that because they'll have organized tours that come in they will have a big stick and they'll put something bright on top of the stick and stick it up in the air and wave it around so that the tour group can see where they are and where to congregate so that is what it is And the news has got hold of it and put it up as a story and everything. So there you go. So, look, as I said, I've, I had to draw the line. It's It was just insane, the amount of information. I would have liked to have looked at the the, um, the vaults underneath mm-hmm. the city and it sounds like the Paris catacombs underneath there. And I remember you showed me some pictures of it when we first started researching this one and Maybe they have to be a separate story, yeah, because there, there's just too much, yeah. And um, even the the theories on what is held in the Vatican vaults, oh, yeah. it's hilarious. Oh, I, I remember seeing one picture of some creature, the head of some creature, and like the the caption is, "Why would they have this in the Vatican vaults?" Because it would disprove their beliefs. Ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We must is. hide it's... everything that would make people doubt our belief system. Yeah. It's it's oh, a very interesting there, sorry. <laughs> it, it is a very interesting subject and, and maybe it sparked your interest to look further. If you find something really interesting that could add to this story, oh please send it to us. Um because yeah, this this is fascinating and, and like Anne said, we've we've had to sort of sit back and go enough. Yeah. Enough at this point. Yeah. So is the Vatican haunted Renata? I think it is. It's it's haunted by the souls so of St. Joseph's schoolboys. <laughs> so many things <sighs> that oh. and so many yeah, so many tortured souls, so many and also, artifacts. Also souls of the faithful who never got to go there and in death they go and visit True. A, a sacred place for them. True, because, so the, bring, I mean, part bring, of the Catholic belief is you pray for those souls of the dead and yeah. that gives them release. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, we can speak about that sort of thing because we were both raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. We had to go to church every week and, and went to the schools and everything. So We did we got, got beaten up by nuns. <laughs> and I went to St. Joseph's Merriweather and we won't talk about that no. anymore. No. no. Anyway, so look, I, I do believe that um, there would be souls there, whether it's residual, mm-hmm. whether um, it, it's mortified um, 
previous good good saints mm-hmm. that are looking upon what's happening now. Um, and you know what? If Satan is alive, I do believe he's in there. Mm-hmm. I really do. Uh, so, yeah. That brings oh, this is a torturous episode. It really was. It's pretty it was good. PTSD. It PTSD. was good. It was good. I liked it. It was. Look, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of True Hauntings. If you have enjoyed it, please let us know. Send us a little shout out. Share it with a friend. Let's get this podcast out there to the world. And uh, yeah, what else can I say, Renata? Subscribe. Subscribe. Leave a review. Join us on YouTube and yeah. all of our other social media. And uh, until next week, we'll see you on the dark side. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube.